Why choose Loyola University Chicago's Accelerated BSN program? If you've already earned a non-nursing bachelor's degree, it helps you earn a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree in just 16 months. But that's not all. The Loyola University Chicago ABSN program gives you the nursing skills, the clinical experience, the Jesuit Catholic education, and the name recognition to stand out with employers. Choose from two program formats, online or face-to-face. Search Loyola University Chicago ABSN to learn more. Nursing isn't a career, it's a calling. Answer the call with Marquette University's Direct Entry MSN program and find out what it means to be a Marquette nurse. A Marquette education, it holds a lot of weight. Before I graduated, I already had a job offer in the ICU. If you hold a non-nursing bachelor's degree, use it to earn your master's in nursing in less than 21 months. My name is Shelby and I am a Marquette nurse. Search Marquette Direct Entry MSN today. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all for joining us this Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully, you're having a great time with your family and friends and loved ones and definitely filling up on that trip to fan or whatever Thanksgiving fixtures you like. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we're going to be passed out once we get into all of this Thanksgiving food we got going on here as well, too. So we're going to cruise through this episode real quickly so we can dive right into that. But it's a fun weekend, a lot going on in sports. And a lot going on at the dinner table, too. Yeah, man. Look, I, I, I'm wearing my loose wet, loose pants, getting ready. I'm wearing my loose jacket, getting ready. Um, and while I'm at it, I'm wear, making sure I'm keeping my feelings nice and loose so that way I don't get too angry when it comes to some of these games we're going to be talking about because well, we all know how invested I am in some of these games. It's This is probably one of the rougher weeks for you when it comes to football for, for the entire football season as well, too. And then that's not even including basketball and some of the other ones. So it's going to be a hectic week for you, so... Hopefully the heartburn is it's not heartburn caused by sports and by food as well, too. Don't worry. I got my Prilosec on, on deck. Prilosec, by the way, if you want to sponsor us, let us know. Uh, this is the perfect time. If you need people with heartburn, we got you covered that <laughs> for one reason or another. So, And if you for, if you do, people do love when we talk about Thanksgiving for some reason, go check out last year's episode. When we talked about some of our favorite Thanksgiving dishes as well, too. So there's some, there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some really, but there's no potato salad with raisins in it. So there's nothing too, too heinous in there as well, too. But for today's episode, we're going to focus on the sports world with some food references instead, which is going to take us into our opening segment, also known as the tip-off, the tip-off. Think of this like your charcuterie board or your or your sides, if you will, the mashed potatoes, the macaroni and cheese, the nice little charcuterie board, the chips, the dips, the habanero, habanero sauce, whatever you need there as well, too. We're going to take a journey around the world of sports here to, to match the Thanksgiving sides. We're going to have a whole bunch of side topics to talk about as well, too. You know what we talked about around the world of sports? Let's talk about the world's biggest sport right now, and we're going to look at the World Cup. Underway now, a few surprise games, a big upset, and some... I guess you could say not bad draws, but not good draws. There's a lot to look at. The one game I'm going to point out right away and is one that we talked a little bit about on the corner booth, England coming out like a bat out of hell, dropping six points on Iran in that opening matchup. And you kind of mentioned it. The perks of for them of having it in the wintertime is you get some really fresh legs compared to everybody else. And they used all of them and a bag of chips in that first matchup against Iran. With, if I'm not mistaken, they've scored more points than most of the other teams that have played so far put together and just, just by themselves. Yeah, I mean, that one game alone had eight goals in it. Six for England, two two for Iran. Iran did come squeeze mm-hmm. squeeze two back, which is big for the goal differential in that group. But, yeah, I mean, eight goals between those two. I mean, that's more than there were. It's the same amount of goals as there were in four games today, um, or on, on Tuesday. And then, uh, 
you look at that, and then it's like, yeah, if you combine those, there's only been another six goals scored beyond that. So yeah, not very far away. Um, definitely the biggest ups, our biggest beatdown we've seen, like the most goals scored I've seen since 2014, um, when Germany beat down Brazil in the semifinals. That was uh, that was pretty ugly there. But look, hey, six two is is a bit. It's it's. I kind of expected it. England, if you play in you know any team from any team where a majority of players are playing in England, Spain, Italy, Germany, France. Any one of those countries that are in their midseason right now, like these guys are ready. These guys are are raring to go. And and this look, you saw it with with England. You saw it with France coming out four one. Um, that was a big game as well. Getting getting the, getting over the mark over Australia. But I gotta say the shocking one to me, and and this is shocking. You might not have seen it. Five a.m. Eastern time is a tough time to wake up. I woke up long enough to watch the second half and just sit there with my my jaw dropped. And that is Saudi Arabia defeating australia two to one and for all the people or australia sorry defeating argentina which is a little bit more impressive um (laughs) yeah a lot lot more impressive truthfully uh but no look you look at this game and a lot of people if you have a conversation to say about the referees cheating argentina in this one go look at the replays all the replays where they could be cheating them on an offsides the players offsides very clearly with this new automated uh, assisted offsides you know calls it makes things a whole lot easier. The assistant referees get a little buzz, and it's like, oh, okay, my flag's up. Thank mm-hmm. you. And you saw it in full effect against Argentina. And, man, uh, they came out sleeping at, at 5 a.m. Eastern time, so uh, I guess it's not a, not a pretty thing to, to, to be trying to play. But that set, that group completely turned on its head now. It is anybody's group. Saudi Arabia currently has the the, the, the leader's seat there with three points, and that one's, that one's wild to me. I, I'm still, I still can't get over it. I, the whole world is kind of like, if you watch soccer, it's just like, what? What just happened, and and it wasn't like they scored two gimme goals or anything like that, or two cheap goals. Or they were that second goal, uh, yeah, maybe potential goal, the goal of the tournament type of a goal. Like it was, it was, it was some some amazing play from Saudi Arabia, needless to say. Absolutely, so tune. For those of you who don't really watch a lot of soccer, or don't aren't too familiar with it, you just kind of occasionally tune in. Argentina's the one with Lionel Messi, so it basically yeah. in that case you have one of the best players in the world, and they lost in what was supposed to be considered like a preseason or a tune-up game, if that will. It's like. Austin PV pulling one over Alabama at that point. So it's like, well, hold on just a minute now. Like what, what that, for those of you who aren't as familiar with the world cup and the soccer, soccer realm. So wasn't like plus 2,500 or something or 2,500 odds that, that Saudi Arabia wins um, plus 15 or plus 1250 that they draw with Mm -hmm. Argentina. Um, And I think if they had scored three and it had been three, one, it was like plus like, something thousand tens of thousands of odds for them to win by two goals it was insane odds for for saudi arabia to do that and it's funny because actually uh if you play fifa it has a world cup mode that they just added to it and in that world cup mode saudi arabia actually defeats argentina in the same game in the same fixture by the computer basis as well so it's really interesting and when i've gone through and played it and simmed sim through and i when i tried to pick out my teams and stuff for for the pickums and stuff and that's how I did. I, I cheat and I use FIFA, mm-hmm. um, but it, it actually had Saudi Arabia beating them there, and I didn't believe it. So I was like, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm flipping that," because um, who would think Saudi Arabia beats Argentina? But yeah, no, it's weird. It is weird to see. Uh, this is the you could definitely see this is the downfall of Argentina. And, and to be truthful about Argentina, their squad is beyond Messi. You have Di Maria, and well, it gets kind of questionable beyond that. It's real thin, real quick after you after yeah. the top of it. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's you know that's probably been the most most surprising game. You mentioned a couple draws though. Um, 
people might might be looking at. Uh, Mexico, Poland, very good draw for Mexico, very bad draw for Poland. Uh, you know, a guy you never think would miss a PK. Lewandowski steps up, 10 for 10 in his career uh, with PKs for Poland. And he gets stonewalled by Guillermo Ochoa, who somehow only plays well in World Cups. It does not make any sense. Um, which continues, Lewandowski, by the way, continues his goalless streak in World Cups. Absolutely is, insane to think about, yeah. A, literally exactly. a world-class goal, goal scorer can't score in the World Cup. It, um, exactly. And then, meanwhile, you go against a goalie who only who only locks in during the World Cup as well, too. It's it's like a Nick Foles versus like an Aaron Rodgers at that point or something like that. Yeah. Like one shows up for the Super Bowl, one does not whatsoever. But that's He cares very- so much about the World Cup. He left a team he was not even playing for because he wouldn't get the green card ability to go and play in the World Cup. So he had to go back, go to uh, go to a new country and play for a new team for the second half of the season, just so he could get his green card requirements to play in the World Cup in 2014. Like, that's how much this World Cups mean to Ochoa compared to everything else. And like, you know, he shows up for it as well, too, every single time. And it's kind of fun how you mentioned it. Sometimes for a team, a draw could be a good thing, where some could be a bad thing, depending on the teams and what you were supposed to do and how it's going to depend on who you're going to have to play in the, right afterwards as well. Speaking of a team where the draw might not be bad, but it's really not good, is the USA getting into a draw with Wales as well, too. That one, it's not like the draw is a killer for the U.S., but you really wanted to get that win because that was probably your best chance of getting a win during this opening this opening round as well, too. That's probably your best shot to get some points early. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely definitely hurts. I mean, okay, so here's the way this, the, the group was laid out for, for the U.S. They have Wales in their first, first matchup, second matchup, England, third matchup, Iran. Good thing is you drew with Wells, who is your main competition for getting out of this group in second. But if you really wanted a chance to try to take on England for that first place spot in the group, you needed to beat Wells easily. Um, but here, okay, so this, there's two things to this. If you had told me before the game that the USA gets out of here with a draw, I'd been like, all right, cool. That's I, 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 acceptable. Work if with you this. watched the game, though, the that... U.S. was on the front foot for 65 minutes. 65 minutes and out of this out of the well actually it was 100 plus minutes played because of the extra time rules and the extended extra times you give these six foot five six foot four six foot three players that wells has that are literally unathletic at their feet with the ball at their feet but you get them in a chance to off a set piece go try to score a goal you're gonna you're gonna have an absolute chance and uh, you know unfortunately walker zimmerman showed his naivety uh getting drawing the pk for uh, against Wells, and and that gave up the goal for Gareth Bell, um, and you know seeing that having that that issue happen, then it's like okay, well that's frustrating. That's how you guys you guys draw it up, but it's okay because at the end of the day, there's still a lot of opportunities. Um, I don't think the U.S. is is out of it by any means right now. It's definitely going to depend on how they show up against England. If they show up and can draw, I mean honestly, I do believe the U.S. is capable of drawing to England. Um, it's just a matter of what do they do? Can they can they prevent England from from just like upsetting the apple cart immediately? If they can keep them 30, 45 minutes frustrated, they have a great chance of getting out of there with maybe a one nil one nil loss or a one one draw or just a nil nil draw, which would be perfect. Definitely. Uh, however, England, as you mentioned, definitely a tough draw. So we'll have to see. Basically, you just can't get smacked by England as well, yeah. too, which is much easier said than done. So we'll definitely. Hey, they, if, if they can pull a draw out against England, there is an opportunity there that they can potentially leave with a uh, first place in the group if if they if the u.s could, could pull off a draw against england and then win against iran big 
Mm-hmm. It's that I think that's definitely the big was that third one against Iran is going to be a, a, definitely a big one for them to keep an eye on as well. So that would be what, plenty of World Cup action to look forward as well too. And you know, we'll be every week you could check in with us. We'll give you a little quick recap of what's going on as well too. We got we got you covered for the World Cup. Don't don't you worry about that, everybody. But next we're going to go off from the World Stage. We're going to go a little more local centralized here. We're going to jump from one football to the other football, the one that uses a lot less feet. Weirdly enough, we're going to we're going to start with a few a few surprise moves going on early this week. I'm going to start with Melvin Gordon, the maligned running back for the Broncos, you could say, getting released by the Broncos. A bit of a tumultuous year and some change there as well, too. A little bit of a fumbling issue, you could say, as well. Still productive back, still found the touch that touches, was still at certain points their main running back with Javante Williams going down. But he even posted on his Instagram, like, man, your fans were hell. Thank you, Broncos country. Like, thanks, team. But your fans are terrible. He... It was a less than enthusiastic stay since he left the Chargers as well, too. And honestly, I think a team's going to pick him up down the stretch. I think he can still be contributing. He just has to remember, cover the points, roll with it. No more fumbles, Billingsley. Just needs to watch a couple of stints of the Friday Night Lights movie. And I think he'll be fine. It's like a spell running back. But no love lost leaving a mile high. Yeah, no, I mean, it's to the point where he dropped the uh, the OJ reference in, in, in leaving <laughs> there, you you know. Um, yeah, I, truthfully, it's not Melvin Gordon's fault that the, the Broncos are where they are. At this point in time, everybody is looking for a scapegoat for the Broncos yes, uh, as why they're bad. And and the sad part is the scapegoat is a guy that you can't really cut because <laughs> he has, oh, I don't know, $250 million contract. Um, so, yeah, it's it's hard to hard to find the scapegoat when the scapegoat's sitting there with a bright blink, blinking red light on his head and, you know, future playing in the background. And, it, you know, you still can't get rid of him because of the $250 million contract. It's definitely surprising as well. Once again, if the Broncos had scored 19 points like they averaged last year with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke at quarterback, they would be 9-1 and one right now. They just have to hit that 19-point mark, but they're sitting at about 14 points per game. They've taken a very sharp dip, and we'll have to see what the future holds for Russell Wilson, the Broncos, and that, that team as well, and Melvin Gordon It's as amazing. Well. That defense is so good, and it's they just awesome. cannot. And and, they, and their, their offense is and their offense is so bad. So What's, bad. Like, this is outstanding. Uh, bring back Philip Lindsay. Honestly, the only time it feels like they've had any trouble is with Devontae Adams in the two games against the Raiders. Every other game, I think they've held opponents under 20-ish points, but those two games against the – somehow Devontae Adams just gets loose at no matter what the cost is. He finds a way to get loose. That's just what happens. It's what happens when you put Justin Simmons one-on-one with Devontae Adams. Yeah, we're not even going to get into that, especially when you, you have – arguably- you, you cannot do that when you have arguably two of the better young corners in the game and you're going to throw Justin Simmons on them. Arguably, you have the best corner in the game right now in PS2, Patrick Sertan the second as well. You should tell him, you stalk that guy every play. The other 10 will play a defense at whatever needs be, but you follow him. We'll figure out the rest. Like, everyone else plays cover two, you chase him, and we'll adjust. Why he's covering Mac Hollins, I'll never understand. Yeah, there's not even a Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller really to look out for, so your guess is as good as mine. But they still have a couple matches with the Chiefs, and I think it's safe to say Broncos country is not going to be riding anymore. They're going to be heading back to the stable this year as well. So we'll see if they can regroup and what the future holds there. Next, we're going to go to another maligned quarterback now. Let's go into the Big Apple, and we're going to look at Zach Wilson. This time as well, too. Weird little trend we got going here right now. After a really miserable game against the Patriots, Bill Belichick does that to young quarterbacks. After the game, they ask him, do you feel like you let the defense down? No, then walks off. And then after that today, Elijah Moore posting on Instagram a picture of him throwing the football. No caption, no nothing, but a little bit of subtle shade to those who can read between some tea leaves as well. So I'm going to get your thoughts on this before I bounce mine off as well, too. What do you make of that situation going on in New York? And is it time for Joe Flacco season once again? Who, by the way, 
has more touchdown passes than Zach Wilson on the season in just three games. I am I'm so torn. I don't mind a player speaking their mind. Let me just be that very clear. But when you're asked a question as much of a softball as do you believe you let down XXXX? It doesn't matter what's after let down. The answer should always be, be, well, I definitely am disappointed in myself. I let myself down. I let my team down. I let my coach down. I let my fans down. I let my my family down. And I'll make sure it never happens for the rest of the year. With all the order, you know, that is your answer. That is textbook 101 out of the how to deal with the media answer. Don't dis- don't differentiate. Don't change the words. You're not Aaron Rodgers. Nobody gets away with that, and even Aaron Rodgers doesn't get away with that. So, plain and simple, I don't mind him saying it, but you definitely you deviated from the plan. And as far as the Elijah the Elijah Moore thing, chef's kiss. Like mm. petty is as petty does. If you're gonna be petty on the mic, you're gonna get petty back at you, and 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 uh, I think that's that's perfect. Although. Of all the players that do it, I really wish it wasn't Elijah Moore because, well, same guy that's been for been with the team for what two years now. This is his second year, and he's already requested a trade. Like, who do you think you are? I can see why. <laughs> yeah, well, at this point in time, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going on in, in in New York. I do think there's a lot to do with the injury with with Zach Wilson. I also think there's, I mean, there's still the injuries to the front line that that you know keep getting overlooked for their offensive line that. You are missing a very large offensive lineman that goes there. That's a very big missing hole. And that is a boy with Zach Wilson. So that is something to consider as well there that he maybe doesn't feel as comfortable, even though he has a fantastic offensive line. Like he still has fantastic pieces in front of him. He just I don't know. I just feel like there's there's a lot to it more so than just Zach Wilson isn't up to snuff. I also just don't think he's I think the playbook they're throwing at him, they're expecting him to know all to, to be as good as advertised from day one and again we've talked about rookie quarterbacks i thought zach wilson needed to sit for a year I thought trey lance needed to sit for three you know uh justin fields it would have been ideal to have, have him sit a year but you can't get get away with that so we're just seeing zach wilson you got throw you got thrown to the fire last year you did really you did pretty well this year you got injured before going into the season so you, you were struggling and then all the other off-field stuff and i just think we're seeing him just kind of take that regression for that sophomore season I don't think it's anything to worry about long-term. I just think he needs to focus on the playbook right now. And if Joe Flacco takes over for the rest of the season, so be it. Like, cool. Project my project my wins that, that the Jets get, you know, second or first in the division by a half game. Like, I don't care. Like, anything to get my prediction pretty close to being right, I'm okay with that. Let's also not include the fact that Brees Hall getting injured is not a detriment because it's a huge detriment um, to what Zach Wilson can do. I mean, that's just plain and simple. So, yeah, there's a lot going on there other than just Zach Wilson sucking, but he doesn't help his case when you break away from 101 on how to deal with the media. You kind of said it perfectly. He is sucking, but it's not the end of the world. The problem, unfortunately, is you have a defense full of guys with that dog in them, for lack of a better word as well. Or, well, too, that defense is playing fantastic. You have a top three corner in the game right now in Ahmad Sauce Gardner, who is literally just known as Sauce right now. He's basically like Cher at this point, or Prince. They just go by one name. They don't even need a full name. The artist formerly known as Ahmad. Exactly. And, I think, and they got Reed on the other corner who's playing absolutely outstanding as well. Ashton Davis coming to his own. They get after the pass rush. The run game with Brees Hall was really good. Michael Carter and James Robinson filling it up. Garrett Wilson, you could tell, is the real deal. Elijah Moore, we know he can play when he's you know, used. I think the problem is Zach Wilson has not 
there's a lot of things he's missing, which I think is the problem as well, too. It's not like, oh, you missed a read here, you missed a read there. He's make he's missing more than he's hitting, and that's a little concerning. And as soon as something is not ideal, he looks like a chicken with his head cut off running around behind the line lost. It's there's a lot to not like right now. Obviously, I agree with you, he's young. He was drafted too high, unfortunately. We agreed on that when he should not have been QB2. That one pro day throw that looked really cool. Unfortunately, that put the expectations too high. He probably shouldn't be playing right now. And the Jets, unfortunately, expedited the process of we probably suck again this year. And then third year, we kick it in the high gear. This year, you're supposed to be average. Unfortunately, you're in the thick of it now. So I don't want to say he's shot, but it's a, I don't I don't want to say he's a bust, but there's some concerns there from the number two overall pick who's supposed to be that dude. It's like there's some concerns with just the mental things he's missing because he plays terrible against New England, really good against the Bills, terrible against New England. It's too, it's very roller coaster. There's just, I'm worried about the small things, but I'm sure we'll, we'll let him finish the season out before we start saying get rid of him, if that, if that makes sense as well. Too. Like, definitely yeah, not calling for his benching, but he needs a little. Yeah, a little smack, smack of the head it would be great. Uh, but here's look, let's also not forget Zach Wilson wasn't even projected to really be a draftable quarterback. Until his junior, like the end of his junior year, really, if we're being completely fair about it, he was off the radar too. Oh my God. Is he better than Trevor Lawrence like that? Yeah. And and so like when we, when we get down to it, I believe he was a 500 quarterback going into his junior season and was a 500 quarterback through half of his junior season. And then he rattled off like four straight wins at the end of the season, five straight wins at the end of the season. And then the fantastic last senior season he had there, um, I believe. And then I think that's how that went, or something along those lines. Or sorry, in his sophomore season, second second half of his sophomore season, because he only played nine games his sophomore year, and then he got drafted after his junior year. So yeah, it's the, the guy's he's young. It's I don't know. I I have a hard time blaming a young quarterback all the time, and yeah, he's missing a lot. But he's also reminds me a lot of Cam Newton and the fact that Cam missed a whole lot too in his rookie and sophomore year and like. Basically, it was the running game that got him out of his own head and then got him to learn how to pass. So what are the Jets going to do to get Zach Wilson to learn how to read a defense properly? That's going to be my question. We'll definitely have to wait and see as well, too. If he had more of those, I think if he had more of those boom games, I think that'd make it a little bit easier as well, too. The problem is he just says, like, he has some, his better games are just like, all right, cool. He didn't really play terrible. We, they, I just think they could use a few more of those type of games where he really stands out as well, too. So that'll do it for Zach Wilson. Next, what we'll do is we're going to go ahead and take a look now at the Panthers as well, too, as they actually have announced a new starting quarterback. Looks like they're going to be bringing in Sam Darnold now as well, too. So they're rotating quarterback carousel in Carolina. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but when I look at Carolina, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback this year. It is all about getting plowed first round at this point as well, too. I feel like it's just you get bring back Baker one game and then bench him. You bring back Sam for a game, you're going to bench him. Like It's just a mess in Carolina right I don't know. I mean, I don't at this point in time. Can you just say you have starting quarterback X playing? Because, like, can we go back to PJ Walker season? Is that too much to ask? Because at least PJ Walker, I felt excited about. I don't feel any excitement when you say Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield, other than like I'm starting their def- the opposing defense in fantasy football. Every time. Uh, I mean, at least PJ Walker gave you the one absolutely all time great throw to DJ Moore. At least he gave you he that. Gave, he gave me DJ Moore's season high in points on fantasy football. So, and it was from that one play. <laughs> I was able to trade DJ Moore immediately after that game. So thank you, PJ Walker, for that one your, game. Your major contribution to society. But I think we're kind of in agreement. Who cares at this point? Have fun, Panthers. Don't win too many games down the stretch at this point. Don't don't play yourself out of that top one of those top few picks. Next yeah. one we're gonna look at. 
we're gonna head to the we're gonna head to the basketball court now. And this is a fun one I kind of want to talk about here. That's interesting. So the Lakers at one point were three and ten. LeBron was had to step out with an injury. Since that point, they're three and one now. And Anthony Davis looks like Anthony freaking Davis all of a sudden as well too. Obviously, no one's gonna say that LeBron is holding this team back, but. Isn't it kind of what? What are your thoughts when you hear that? Where suddenly they actually look like a better team with them out of the lineup? Do you think they need to find a way to mold him in there, or what? What do you think is that going on? Oh man, yeah, nobody's gonna say that, huh? I'm really tempted to say those words that LeBron's holding them back. You I just put I, this on the T for you, so you can go ahead. Yeah, and... yeah, no, like I really like. Okay, so how many times have we seen a team in football, a team in in baseball, get a great player, get an absolutely fantastic player, and then they suck? I hate to say, look at the Raiders. Get Devontae Adams, number one receiver, arguably number one receiver in the league. Still getting hit, but they're terrible. Suck. Absolutely sucks. LeBron James, very arguably number one player currently alive. Um, I don't know how much of an argument you really have to actually try to make there. But the Lakers, as a team, suck. So, I, it, you know... You, you take him away, though, and the games that, like, Devontae missed because whatever reason, Raiders won. Um, LeBron, take him out of the picture. Lakers win. Uh, a lot of times, all these kids need is just enough being told how to play. Let them do what they did to get to the league. Let Anthony Davis be Anthony Davis. Let him not work as a second fiddle. He doesn't need to be Robin to Batman's LeBron, Batman's or LeBron's Batman. I don't like he He's... LeBron's done being Batman. He needs to go be Alfred and just work on work on getting his assists. That's it. That's all LeBron needs to do nowadays. Let Anthony Davis become Batman. Period. Let him do his thing. This is what happens. Anthony Davis can be Anthony Davis without LeBron because he doesn't have another big old body taking up space in the paint where he needs to go. We're cracking up 20% three-point shots. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's another part of it. And hmm. look, the whole team is just... It's like, okay, have you ever tried to, it's like when you're learning how to drive and you have your parent in the driver's or in the passenger seat next to you and you're just like, you're going, and especially if it's your mom, because I believe your mom's like my mom and she goes, <gasps> whenever you just like take a turn or something, it just terrifies you as a, as, a, as a kid learning how to drive and you're like, stop. But the moment they're out of the car, man, you might as well call me a professional. I, I'm two hands on the wheel, relaxed. Checking my blind spots, you name it. Seatbelts fastened. I don't even have to be told. It's the same thing. Get get rid of the oversight of LeBron, and and these these kids are free. They're they're able to play. They're able to do what they do. And yeah, I I, I won't say the words fully that LeBron is holding them completely back, but he definitely isn't helping matters. He is the grandpa in the room. Just just be Alfred, man. Stop trying to be something else. I will say too, I, my mom and stepdad when they're not drive, they weren't too bad, luckily. But even currently now, when I take the lady on a drive, if I so much as scratch my head while we're going, my there's a giant hole in my, the in the side of my passenger floor because someone wants to stomp on the imaginary e brake just because I had to give my ear a quick scratch. But that's a whole nother story. See, but I do agree with you in that he's not holding them back. But there is something. There's not a good meshing point with him, Russell Westbrook. It's like when Giannis was hurt during, for a couple of games when he thought his knee exploded during that finals run. They, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, and they probably looked their best right there because they were able to flow those options with those pick and rolls. Anthony Davis, Westbrook, and them were able to flow a little bit better. You're not really necessarily better, but your better players are some of your players are playing better. I think they got to find a way to mesh that as well too. And honestly, the offense can't really run through LeBron like that. He could distribute, he could facilitate, but he 
but he can't jack up threes. And he really he can still drive the ball, but the problem is he can't make the free throws when he gets fouled. And I think that's what's kind of killing him is he doesn't want to shoot those free throws. So he's trying to find the way to take the least amount of damage and get the most amount of points because even if you shoot 20% from three, well, it's better than shooting 60% from the free throw line at that point. So I, I mentioned this a couple years ago, Do you, and I want to get your opinion on this. I said LeBron needed to hand the reins over to, to Anthony Davis after the COVID season where they played in the bubble. And they won the championship, ironically, too. And he just won a finals MVP. And, and then it was that's why at the time it was like interesting. But at the yeah. same time, I did kind of agree with you as well, too. Like, like, do you think now's the time? Do you think he just has to step back now? Like, you have to admit that you're no longer the number one option. Like, you, for the betterment of your team, you can no longer be the number one option. Does that make sense? Like, is that, is that, do you think this is the time that LeBron needs to kind of step back and accept that? I'll start by saying I am not the one to tell a LeBron James what to do when it comes to basketball. That is for sure as well, too. But it does remind me of after that first season in money was in Miami, it was him and Dwayne Wade, just like Batman and Batman. And Wade's like, look, LeBron, I I'll get mine off to the side. You do what you got to do. We were better with you doing that. And he turned into one of the Miami LeBron. We still say is arguably the best player of all time, arguably along with like 2018 LeBron. Like when you pick individual seasons, individual stints, he was absolutely incredible. I think if you could do something like that, where it's like Anthony Davis were running through you, the problem is Anthony Davis has to stay healthy too. He, he can't be called quote unquote street clothes, Anthony Davis, which still not as bad as street clothes, Kawhi Leonard, but that's a whole nother situation. He doesn't get talked about as much considering he's played four games in 14 years. It feels like but that's you a know, difference. If I, if I knew he was going to be wearing street clothes when he signed that new balance deal, I would take back everything I said about that new balance deal not being a great deal for him. Now uh, that I know he's been wearing street clothes the entire time since he signed the new balance deal, though, Kawhi is <laughs> great job, buddy. Hmm. <laughs> He knew what he was doing, but yeah. I, I'll, I'll agree with you that I think they they need to find a way to mesh everything together as well because you don't have 2018 LeBron or even 2020 LeBron at this point as well. So he's still fantastic player, still Hall of Famer, still one of the greatest of all time. They just got to find a way where Anthony Davis could cook and stay healthy with everybody feeding off of him as well too. But you know, you know, six and eleven is a lot better than that three and ten they were looking at at one point as well too. So at least there's at least there is some optimism going forward. If they want to keep losing though, it's okay. I'm I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like, for the Pelicans, fan, sake, I can just, Pelicans are open for that as well too. That first sharp pick. I mean, the Kings just just I don't want to deal with them anymore. That that's the Kings fair. wouldn't be the worst team in the Pacific. That's the only thing that I care about. Exactly. You, you know that's fair as well too. And they they've had some nice moments as well too. Darren Fox has had some nice highlight moments this year as well. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see there. But and they whoop. still get ejected. That, that is neither here nor there as well. We could go on and on about the Kings' uh, misfortunes as well, too. But that is going to do it for our tip-off segment as well, too. Now we're going to head into the main event. Think of this as like the turkey or the ham since we're in the Thanksgiving spirit today as well, too. And that is brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Manscaped. Use code HILOSPORTS. Get yourself 20% off at checkout. They're offering free shipping on a lot of items right now as well, too. So last-minute Christmas gifts, some last-minute stocking stuffers, or you know what? Just tired of having that beard or facial hair or any other hair getting out of control. Go and stop and use code Hilo Sports and save yourself. Save yourselves a few dollars as well, too. We're looking pretty clean right now with some other stuff as well. So, Kelsey, we're going to head into the main event now. It's a big week in college football. We got rivalry. We got playoffs starting for FCS. There's some of the biggest games of the year we got going on right now. We're going to start with the one properly named the big game, basically. It was once doubted, or the game. It was once touted as basically the greatest game ever the greatest game ever played when it was number one, Ohio state versus number two, Michigan in 2006. Well, now we got number two versus number three. And last year, I think we had number two versus number four or something like that. Like right now, this is like the 11th time they both matched up as top five seeds, which is just incredible right now. Going to this game, I'll be quick with mine. This doesn't look good for Michigan this year. It does not look good on paper. I, 
the weather could make it a little bit interesting, a little bit rainy, a little windy, but I don't see Michigan coming away with this one, honestly. I just can't. I'm going to say Ohio State walks away with it by 14. I think it's got, got like 35 to 17, something like that, written all over it. I'm, I think Ohio State's going to take care of it this time. And a little redemption for last year when Ryan Davis was supposed to score 100 and only scored like 20. I mean, spicy take there. I got to gotta give you that one. Um, spicy. That's a, it's a big point margin here in this one. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, Michigan. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> I think the biggest thing here is is this one is it's the Blake Corum conversation, right? Uh, how healthy really is Blake Corum? From all reports I'm reading right now, he is still going to be there. He's still going to be playing in this game. I just... Mm, I can't imagine I being 100%. Know. I just, yeah. Like, even if he's 80%, that's great. But against Ohio State, you need 110%. Exactly. And that's that's what worries me. When you're looking at this game, uh, I'm just going to look at the, the betting line here. Um, you're looking at plus 240, 245 odds on the money line that Michigan could pull off the upset here, upset against Ohio State. Um, but more importantly, that plus 7.5, that's grown as a spread. It was a plus five and a half, I believe at the beginning of the week has grown to a plus seven and a half by the end of this week. So uh, I, looking at that, it does make me concerned for sure. Um, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. I the, the rain that's going to be falling on, on Saturday, on Saturday. I, I'm still concerned about it. it's a noon kickoff game. And we know, look, uh, I still think noon is at noon for the, this high tier of a game is the dumbest time you could possibly have it. But I will say this. Jim Harbaugh and noon kickoff sucks. <laughs> His teams just notoriously suck in the first half. Ohio State in noon kickoff games, notoriously under Ryan Day, hot starters. I don't know what that means for this game, but uh, if I do know anything about this this Ohio State team, it's that they can throw it up and score in a hurry. Um, and, you know, if everybody's playing healthy and Smith and Jigba comes back for this game, uh-oh. Uh, uh oh, is all I got to say. Um, look, Marvin Harrison Jr. is, we already know he's fantastic. Uh, the rest, honestly, there's so many receivers on this Ohio State team I could talk about forever. Um, and that's not even to include their running game. Like, their running game is still outstanding and it gets overlooked because the passing game is so good. And their defense, while it's not the top tier defenses of Ohio State's past, it's a really good defense. It's um, good. It's solid. Yeah, it's, it's solid. It'll keep pretty much every team that they're going to face from now until extinction. Um, because they're not going to be playing the ten- the full the full Arsenal Tennessee, so you don't really have to worry about anybody there blowing you out. Every other team they're going to be playing is their offenses are not great, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I would say Ohio State. I mean, I, I, it's it, that's a roundabout way of me going to Ohio State winning this game. Um, I did think potentially Michigan could could win it if Blake Corum is fully healthy, but after that knee injury, that shot all hopes of that. One hundred percent. I mean, last year Hayden Haskins had a performance of a lifetime in that game as well. And it was capped. It was capped off with David Ojabu and Aiden Hutchinson living in CJ Stroud's lap. They don't have that pressure coming this year. And I, who on Michigan is even going to slow down Marvin Harrison Jr.? Like, who's even going to have a chance to even slow him down? The maybe the entire state of Michigan, or you bring the entire big house to guard him? Then maybe. Yeah. But, and that's like, Smith, they're Smith, in the they're in the pros if they were going to stop him. And if Jackson Smith and Jigba does play, good luck. Like at that point, really good luck because you're going to have to put 19 guys on Marvin Harrison Jr. and you're going to leave. Arguably, who is the best receiver in college football is at coming into the year by himself over there. So it's, I could be wrong, but I just I don't see the same horses they had last year. Whereas Ohio State's just as good as they were in that game last year, if not better. 
Yeah, I mean, I will say this. I do think Michigan can keep mm-hmm. it under 10 points. I don't know if they cover the spread. Just that 7.5 gives that little leeway that I'm, I'm not comfortable with. But I do think at, at the end of the day, I think they can keep it under 10. I don't think they're going to be a 14-plus point, point blowout here. Um, but, again, I just think this – I don't know. There's just not enough firepower for me. I, I don't trust anybody throwing the ball for Michigan well enough to, 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 trust, to trust them to keep up. And that's where I have my concerns too, is you don't have quorum to take over on the ground. And I just think you're going to give them too many options on offense. Like it's not that they're, they're going to walk up and down on Michigan, but if you give them the, if you give them 19 possessions, cause you go three and out every other player start turning it over. That's where I think it could get a little bit uglier down the stretch. Quorum's playing. I agree with you. It's 10 points are under guaranteed, but without him, I think they're missing that equalizing factor, but that's the game. Some big time playoff implications in that one, but there's another one with a little bit less play playoff uh, implications on it, but a lot more of Kelsey's Harper directly on the line as well, too. So we're going to head over to Alabama and what is one of the biggest games every year, the Iron Bowl. As Auburn takes on Alabama, Auburn playing for a chance to be bowl eligible, Alabama playing for a very, very, very outside shot at the playoffs. They should be all but mathematically eliminated, but we already know it's the Alabama Invitational. So they're not quite technically out of there yet. They never are. Kelsey, I'm just going to sit back, take, let you take the reins on this one. I'll keep mine short and quick. I, I'm going to take Alabama. I think Bryce Young is going to make that final push to try and make himself that top quarterback for draft time, but that's about that's about all for right now. So, Kelsey, this the floor is yours, Spencer. So, fun fact about Auburn and Alabama. Uh, Auburn has a winning record when playing at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, where is the game taking place at? Bryant-Denny Stadium. Auburn also has a winning record when the point spread is above 15 points in this game. Uh, and, and it's not like a small winner. It's like plus 12. And it's kind of stupid that Auburn is that good when they should be terrible. Um, and yeah, okay. So I'm saying those to say this. Cadillac, since taking over as interim, is 2-1. and one. Should honestly probably be 3-0, and oh, um, except for some gutsy moves that just didn't work out. And it's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. Uh, Nick Saban struggles against running quarterbacks and running offenses that can run the ball where the and occasionally pop up for a 40-yard bomb. He has always, always struggled against running quarterbacks, hearkening back to when he was at LSU and trying to deal with Tim Tebow. Sucked then. Struggled with Nick Marshall. Struggled with Cam Newton. Johnny Manziel. Mate, Johnny Heisman. Manziel. Uh, insert running quarterback here. Um, over the years, anytime that he got to the playoffs, it got eliminated before the final, before the championship game. Running quarterback, Stetson Bennett to some degrees, running quarterback, running quarterback. So he does struggle with quarterbacks that can run. But the problem is, Auburn doesn't have a quarterback that can run and accurately throw the ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the issue I'm running into here. But I do want to say that Auburn's defense has stepped up a lot lately. There's still a couple holes here and there, but Owen Popo has continued to show why he is one of the top-tier linebacker, inside linebackers going into the draft um, this year. He probably will be taken in the second round. Nehemiah Pritchett has continuously continuously shown why he's a top-tier cornerback going into the draft, probably another second-round pick here. And then you've had three other guys that got invited to the Senior Bowl on that defense. Uh, five total players off Auburn's defense, or Auburn's team got invited to the, the Senior Bowl, all on the defensive side, if that tells you anything. Um, so very interesting there. But, yeah, I... If I'm going to break this down and say this, Bill O'Brien sucks at calling plays too. That's true. For for Alabama. So if you've been watching Bryce Young lately, he is basically doing it by himself. Their receivers are the worst they've been and since I can remember. Honestly, since, since, really, since before Julio. Yeah, since, well, I'd say before 
Nick Saban. Like, this has been the worst receiving class I've seen them have since Nick Saban. This is the worst running back core I've seen them have since before Nick Saban. I, I do like that one, you know, I think it's Gibbs. I think he's got a lot of potential. Like, yeah, I think he, he's going to blossom. He's, been, he, he's, he's grown into himself through this year. But they from the start of the season till now, it has not been a, a team like they've ever had before running the ball. Mm. Offensive line has holes. So what I'm saying is there's an opportunity. Hmm. It's a very small opportunity, and it really is dictated to which Will Anderson shows up for Alabama. If Will Anderson, the guy that we all know and fear, the guy that set a record for sacks last season, beating everybody in the nation, everybody in the nation, including that sneaky pick over there that went to Detroit, in sacks last season, and not getting an invite to New York because of it, somehow, still, I'll never understand. Will Anderson, if that Will Anderson shows up, Auburn's in for a very long day. That's not going to be fun. If the Will Anderson that's shown up this season shows up, however, there is a chance for Auburn. I'm going to say this is going to be a dirty, down, ugly game. Hmm. Uh, currently, you, this the points are the over-under, I believe, is set at 38. Let me find it and make sure. Sorry, 49 is the over-under. It's not going to make it to 49. I'm sorry. If this makes it to 49, I'll be shocked. Alabama wins easy. Uh, under 49 points, though, Auburn does have a chance in this one. And at a 22-point spread, Auburn covers the spread. Winning the game, I'm going to, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say it. Auburn wins the game somehow magically because their offensive, their, their defense can, do, can get to the quarterback better than Alabama's defense this year. And that hurts a lot to say, but this is going to be an ugly game. I'm honestly not even expecting 20s from either team. I'm expecting 18 to 12, 18 to 16. Like, it's going to be an ugly, gritty, just old-school SEC knockout dragout fight. So... That was all a very right. roundabout way of getting there. I'm sorry. That was just, I, I'm so I've been torn about this pick all all week. I will say last year we saw what their defense is capable of. Last year they really held them in check until that final drive where Bryce Young basically said, Everybody get on my back. I'm gonna make my second biggest Heisman moment until he played Georgia a week later and made a bigger one. I think if Tank Bigsby can control this game, as you mentioned too, I think that'll Will Anderson's an incredible pass rusher. He should be a top five pick in the draft if everything stays healthy. Against the run, he can get moved. He's not He's not an anchor against the run because he's a smaller guy who flies up the field who's really strong. But you can't, the run defense for Alabama is not as stout as having Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne in there. So I think if Tank Bigsby can control the control the game offensively for him, just hammer away, hammer away. Get, if you can get him to 25 carries and not be like down by 1,000 and keep it keep in the game, that will definitely make it very interesting. But I agree with you. It's I don't think it's going to be the blowout it looks like on paper, if that makes sense. Like I, I think that spread – it's going to be close. That spread's not going to be wiped away. That's it's not going to be. That's not going to be a one point spread. If it hits, if they if they cover, if Bama covers that spread, it's first of all, you probably won't see me on the show the next week. <laughs> <laughs> the, next, I, I mean, that would be a shock for everybody because I don't think Alabama's that prolific of an offense against actual like quality talent. It would take some they bad just, turnovers late, probably from Auburn. Yeah, their defense. No, don't get me wrong. I I will say all the wonderful things in the world about their defense because their defense is still that thing. And let me be very clear to any Alabama fan that is listening to this right now: I'm not saying Alabama is dead and done with. No, I'm saying in this one game we're having a situation like we have every five to seven years with Nick Saban, where the team is just not as good as it normally is. And then next year, is that a four loss team? Yeah, sure. It's a three loss team some seasons. It's a two loss teams in others. 
But this just happens to be one where you might see a four-loss Alabama team. Is that the end of Nick Saban? No, shut up. He's not going to go anywhere unless he chooses to go somewhere. And he probably won't do that until he wins another title and he walks off in the, in, into the history books with, you know, streamers falling down his back covered in red Gatorade because that's just what Nick Saban does. He wants to leave in a, in a, in a blaze of glory. Nick Saban is not retiring unless Nick Saban chooses to. Nobody's forcing him out. And I swear to God, if I hear anybody else talk about you should fire Nick Saban, get your head checked now. Please. Just... You guys are probably also the people that think Bill O'Brien is a great offensive coordinator. So, never mind. What am I saying? We, you know, you insert wall. You, we argue with him at that point as well, too. Yeah. At that point, it's too dense to argue. Oh, I've but, done that before. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I, I, I'm aware. But looking at some of the other games we have on tap, too, we got Kansas versus Kansas State coming up as well, too. The battle for uh, the Sunflower Showdown, the battle for the great state of Kansas as well, too. And I look at this one, Kansas State fighting to be bowl eligible. Kansas as well, too, right in the thick of it. Still going to go with Kansas State, though. I think hey, Kansas State got to get to that Big 12 championship somehow. Big 12 championship, excuse me, not full eligible. But I think they're I think they're playing for a little bit more. I think Kansas had, had some fun moments this year, but I'm going to go with Kansas State as well, too. I think there's more on the line. I think they're a more well-rounded team as well, too. So give me Kansas State. I'll say comfortably. Not huge, but comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I will say, so Kansas this season has shown a lot to us this season. They, I mean, they started off hot this season. Um, unfortunately, lost a lot late down hmm. the stretch here. Um, but they did start out their season very, very nicely. Um, Kansas State, though, behind Deuce, might be the might be one of the sneakiest running backs in in all of Division One football. Um, not not getting any recognition right now. Dude is an absolute stud. He is just all over the place. Uh, look for number twenty two on the field for Kansas State in the white and purple. They are playing in Manhattan, so I guess it'll be purple and white because um, he'll be wearing his home jersey. But yeah, he's going to absolutely have a have a blast. Um, running up and down Kansas's defense because that's their one struggle. They struggle against the run. Teams finally figure that out. But I don't think it's going to be like a big blowout. I do think this is going to be like a 12-point game. Kansas State wins this one. But they do go to the Big 12 championship here. So give me K-State in this one. And I, I'm going to have Deuce just route off another 120-yard game. That'll be an interesting match to see them going against TCU and Dugan as well, too, with uh, TCU trying to play for that playoff spot and K-State trying to do what they've done really well this year and be a pain in the you-know-what for a lot of these Big 12 teams. So that'll be a fun matchup if it holds to fruition. Next, we're going to go to a game that we probably wouldn't be talking about if it wasn't for what happened last week as well, too. we got Clemson and taking on South Carolina as well, too, and the Palmetto Bowl, as it's affectionately known as it. Honestly, we're only talking about this game because, A, Clemson still kind of has that outside shot at the playoff as well, too. And with Spencer Rattler in South Carolina did to Tennessee last week, dropping 63 points and six touchdowns. We had QB1 under the light, Spencer Rattler, for the first time in his college career, but looking like a legit NFL caliber quarterback that he's been projected as since he was 18. And so we're going to start there. Do you think he played himself into maybe like a draft pick of some kind? And how do you see this one playing out? I'll let you go first here. I hope not. Because <laughs> the Spencer Rattler I've seen all season up until that point is an undraftable Spencer Rattler. Um, it's, it was ugly. I mean, even going back, there was last couple games there at Oklahoma before he trans- before he finally was just like, I'm done here. It's it's not been pretty for, for Spencer the last year and a half. So I do think it was a fantastic performance. It shows the talent that he can have. I just don't think that there's, at the end of the day, enough there. And I do think that was hampered a lot by that Hendon Hooker injury. Um, because look, he he could he could still put up those fantastic numbers, but I think Hendon Hooker is completely healthy. I think it changes the the entire ball game there. Um, but I digress. I mean, look, give credit where credit's due. He had a fantastic game. Um, we did finally see QB one lights uh, under the lights. Although that also did end with him getting suspended from the team 
in QB in that season. So yeah, I hope not. Uh, I hope we also don't see that Spencer Rattler come back out again. But I do think, yeah, it was a fantastic performance. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again this week, if I'm being completely honest. This Clemson team is very gettable, especially right now. Um, you can definitely attack them, especially through the seams. And, yeah, I, I do see an opportunity there for South Carolina. Uh, Clemson, though, 10-1, and one, trying to get that, trying to get back into the playoff. Dabo Sweeney is going to be doing absolutely anything, pulling all the, the, the tricks out of the, his, his playbook, all his old Nick Saban, formerly coached by Nick Saban tricks and Kirby Smart tricks. Um, he'll do what he can to, to keep Clemson in this. I think DJU is also going to be doing enough there. Or wait, no, it's still the backup, isn't it? He got, has he been finally replaced, DJ? I don't I, think- I, I, I don't. I don't. I can't remember if he's starting in this game, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, no, it is still DJU. So. He's still playing, but yeah, he's still playing. It's it, it, you know, yeah. I'm gonna go. Yes, Spencer, Spencer Rattler has a great game. Clemson also has a good game as a whole. Their offense looks good, but I think at the end of the day, I think the thing that's gonna win it, and we joke about this conversation all the time, but Beamer Ball. If you guys know anything about Beamer Ball, it's all about special teams. Special teams wins this game. I think uh, South Carolina wins this one. South Carolina, all right. I'm going to stick with Clemson. I, th- I do think Spencer Rattler is going to have some moments, but that front line for Clemson is still absolutely insane. They still got three first-round draft picks. I, I'm i not sold on DJU. I think he's been the biggest thorn in the side for the team. We saw against Syracuse when he got benched. They suddenly had a little life under him. So we'll see if my namesake can uh, get him going, maybe propel them into that playoff spot, but he, I'm always concerned when it comes to picking with Clemson because you never know what you're going to get from him. Since that first game, he's a new on, game. That, that on top of it. he's Since he was supposed to be the next Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, he has not quite lived up to that. So we will def, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm going to stick with Clemson because I think their defense gets it done in a weird-looking affair, like 21-17. Spencer Rattler throws some dimes. Somehow he ends up getting invited to like some – just has some pro days, and he becomes that intriguing NFL prospect somehow. But that'll do it for the Palmetto Bowl. Then the last but certainly not least, we're going to go do one as good as time, Notre Dame versus USC as well. Notre Dame, a little bit of a rough season, but they've started to play strong under Marcus Freeman, that big win over Clemson. And USC, it, turning their seat, their entire program around in less than a year, now playing for that playoff spot as well too. One loss on the season, going for that Pac-12 championship game as well. And I'm going to keep this quick. I'm going to keep it simple. I think USC is going to find a way to win this game. It's going to be like 21 or 35 to 24 because USC doesn't play the best defense. Caleb Williams is a Heisman Trophy contender, and he could be making a strong case for the front runner right now, especially if USC wins out. And I think Lincoln Riley's showing as a college coach, he is a fantastic coach in the way he's able to turn that around, bringing in guys like Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison with the talent they have. So give me USC. I think it'll be a little ugly early, but I think USC will run away late. Yeah, I mean – Again, I hate this rivalry because it's the only rivalry that takes place between two teams that one plays in the Midwest, one plays in the, the the Southwest, and that team in the Southwest only plays in the Midwest during good weather seasons. I hate that. I hate that about this this rivalry. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so anyways, go ahead, put another ruby up on the, the, the jeweled shillelagh, in my opinion. USC is going to win this one. Caleb Williams is playing out of his mind right now. Send him. Go ahead and send him his ticket to New York. Uh, barring injury, he's probably my front runner at this point in time. He is just absolutely a stud. So yeah, he's uh, been playing well. Uh, you mentioned Addison, absolutely fantastic. Their pass rush as well. Their defense is nothing to scoff at anymore. And so, yeah, I think this team is, is built to win, especially beat Notre Dame. I know it's a 13 and five matchup. I think that's a little too high of a ranking for Notre Dame, but 
Uh, USC trying to play themselves into a playoff contention, be the first Pac-12 team since Oregon, or wait, no, Washington, sorry, to make it into the playoffs. Point is, it's few and far between at this point as well, too. Which, if anything's taught us from the Pac-12 recently, every time a team gives us hope, they let us down. So maybe USC wins this week, then they lose the Pac-12 championship game because the Pac-12 always seems to give us a false sense of hope and let us down late. But we'll see. I think we both in agreement that USC should walk away with this one. Maybe not big, but at least comfortably, they should be able to win this game as well, too. So that is now going to take. It'll be less less stressful than any other game that we just talked about. I think I think that's a safe bet as well too. Like probably the least amount of oh god, oh god, oh god, depending on how some of those other games start. But now we're not we're not we're not done with college football yet though, because while these rivalry games are getting started, if you look at the FCS level, well, it's playoff season for them as well too. And for those of you who know, FCS has one of the better playoff brackets as well too. They have several teams with first round buys, and a lot of teams get in. If I'm not mistaken, there are eight first round buys that they have as well too. Yep. Then you have 16 teams going head-to-head in the first round as well. Taking a look at it right here is now. A, a nice little change here for those of you who aren't too familiar is North Dakota State, also home of Trey Lance, Carson Wentz in the squad, and several years of basically being undefeated. Finding themselves at number three now, a bit of starting to kind of come back down to earth. South Dakota State now at number one. Montana State at four. Sacramento State at two. Two big sky teams. Looking at some of these other matchups as well, too. I'm going to get your thoughts. What, is, what do you think is a surprise team, and how do you see this playoff bracket playing out? Um, so surprise team in here. It's tough to not already look at Montana and be like, wow, they could definitely surprise some folks. But they got to face that North Dakota State team at three. That's a tough one right there. Um, Fordham on on the, the Holy Cross bracket side, that's also a very interesting one. Uh, I wouldn't, I'd, be, I'd be remiss if I don't mention Eastern Kentucky because of our, our, our friend Vince Dover. And his uh, Stowe report, obviously, he covers Eastern Kentucky really well. Um, do you know what? I, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Montana State as a four seed. Surprises a lot of people, makes it to, makes themselves into the championship here, um, and, and makes themselves at least, at the very least, they end up in the semifinals playing probably South Dakota State. But I do think Montana State is probably going to be the most likely to, to upset the apple cart, if you will. I will say Montana State. And tied to Sacramento State for the top of the Big Sky Conference. And a lot of people thought they should have been that two seed over Sac State as well, too. So that is definitely one to keep an eye out for as well. I agree with you with Montana. They had one of the better defenses in FCS. Their offense was just a roller coaster ride at points. When they scored, they scored in bunches. When they didn't score, it was like watching the Russell Wilson Broncos sometimes. So that is one to keep an eye out for as well, too. I also, I kind of am curious what Weaver State can do. Because they're always perennially a really good team. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a step off this year, not quite their best work, but Weber State's an interesting one. If they can, Montana State will run the ball, wind, wind rain, shine, no matter what they their bases run the ball. Weber State could find a way to slow that down. I think that makes the game very, very interesting. Granted, you have to find a way to stop it, and nobody really has been able to do it yet. And I do like your Montana as a surprise sneaky pick, considering last year when Montana and Montana State played in their rivalry week game. Montana blew the brakes off of Montana State. Montana State ends up in the national in the championship game. They went on a run coming off of a butt whooping. This year, Montana State on college game day, nonetheless, beat the brakes off of Montana in that game. Maybe Montana like takes a page out of their playbook and goes on a little bit of a run themselves too. So, definitely a lot to look forward to in F- FCS football. And if you aren't a fan of FCS football playoff time, you haven't watched it before, give it a try. It is underratedly yeah, fun, and game. that's a lot of playoff games. If that way you don't you're not stuck with the four teams picked by other people. You got thirty. You got a what is the math? 24 teams picked by other people or 32, actually 16. A lot of teams put picked by other people as well, too. But it's my point. There's a lot more college football playoffs to go yeah. off as well, too. So definitely give it a I try. I also got it. 
was like, I gotta give credit to the Elon versus Furman game for being the best nicknames hmm. between the two. Uh, you have the Phoenix taking on the Paladins. So definitely two of the better nicknames in college sports. And it's perfect that they're going head-to-head in the first round as well, too. A Phoenix versus a Paladin, that just sounds like World of Warcraft on steroids at this point. I can't wait to yeah. see that. That's a great Every nerd's to a dream. For, for lack of a better word, yes, absolutely. So that'll do it for our main event. And that's going to take us now into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is, of course, crunch time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See store or belltire.com for details. Restrictions apply. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See storebelltire.com for details. Restrictions apply. Now open in Elgin. Crunch time. Think of this like if we're talking Thanksgiving once again, think of this like your pies and your cakes and whatever you else have for dessert as well, too. Pumpkin pie, pecan pie, apple pie, blueberry pie, whatever your preference is. If you like whipped cream or not, but sweet potato pie, it is all in there as well, too. We finally hit that spot. And I'm going to go first with this one because there's one thing I just kind of want to talk about. We're going to we've been spreading the wealth around it here. The Clash of Titans is it looks like they are the deal isn't done quite yet, but. They have a plan in place. They look. It looks like Francis Ngannou, the UFC heavyweight championship. They were hoping to get him to get his return fight coming off of it, some knee injuries in March, and the opponent, none other than arguably one of the best fighters of all time, John Jones, stepping up a weight class, has not fought in three years. He's been teasing a move to heavyweight. He's been working on. It. He's been talking about it. So it looks like we might get to see what you could make a case it would be the biggest fight in the company's history, as well as you have arguably the greatest of all time. Versus arguably the most terrifying of all time as well, too. And as a lot of shades of when John Jones was supposed to fight Anthony Johnson, that was supposed to be one of the biggest fights of all time. But John got in the way of that one with his off outside the octagon shenanigans, to say the least. So I, for one, am excited. I hope this one plays out. If they can't, if Nagano's not healthy, they have talked about getting John Jones versus Curtis Blades, which is a fight fans fun dream or fun matchup because Curtis Blades, an incredible heavyweight wrestler, with pretty good power, how does John Jones match that now stepping up such a big weight class? So that the biggest takeaway here is, but it looks like we're getting the return of John Jones at heavyweight. And I'm not only did my curious to see how he looks at heavyweight, but I'm also curious how he looks after three years off long layoffs is nothing new to him, especially for the last 10 years, really. But I'm really curious to see what he's going to look like with all that extra weight. Cause he's been bulking up for better and for worse. In some cases, there's a lot of extra weight on there as well. I'm curious to see how his cardio holds up. So, I, for one, am excited to see it. I really hope this Engano and John Jones matchup plays out because they both want it. They both have been asking for it. There's been a lot of words back and forth. 
John Jones with his technical superiority and his length. Francis Ngannou hitting like a SUV crashing face first into into another SUV in a full on collision with each punch. Uh, this is a matchup I hope I really hope comes to solution. If you you don't blink in that fight, you don't blink once. Yeah, that would be a fun one to, to watch for sure. Once it pops up, I can't wait for this one at all. Uh, but for me, I'm gonna you know I love your I love your, the UFC uh, conversation finally, and especially Ngannou finally getting back into it, getting healthy. Um, but I got to go back to the World Cup, and I got to talk about some games coming up here. Much more importantly, I got to talk about the much maligned Cristiano Ronaldo. If you haven't heard, Man United just cut him from their team, just released on, on mutual uh, grants, um, a.k.a. he went on Piers Morgan and completely lambasted Man United uh, and said they, they're stuck in their old times. They're not advancing, and that's why they suck, um, for lack of better terms. That's, I'm shortening. I, it's too long. It's an hour and 30 minutes. If you guys want to watch it, it's on YouTube. Um, I spent today watching it and twice. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, definitely learned a lot. But he will be actually taking place on Thanksgiving. He will be uh, finally Portugal get get their first game in against Ghana, uh, 11 a.m. on Thursday. And then after that, you got Brazil-Serbia. But more importantly, we all know how important this next game is for the U.S. Black Friday, 2 p.m. against England. Going to be a tough one for the U.S. But, guys, it's opportunity there. And then they round out their group stage on Tuesday at 2 p.m. against Iran. That game will be played simultaneously with the Wells-England game because um, that's just the way they do things in the third group sta- or third game of the group stage. So that way there can be no cheating involved because that's how FIFA protects from cheating. Um, but, yeah, no, it'll just be absolutely fun time of the World Cup. This is where it gets down to the important part of the next six days. After Thursday, every team has played one game, and then that's where it gets really fun. So four games a day. Gotta love it, you know. World Cup soccer. This is this is my favorite time of year. It's a whole lot going on. It's a very busy weekend, both in holidays and in sports. You got a little bit of something for everybody coming up as well, too. So we thank you all so much for joining us for this holiday weekend. Hope you and your families have a healthy, safe, and fun Thanksgiving and Black Friday if you choose to celebrate that as well, too. Be safe. Don't do anything reckless. And above all else, be thankful for what you do have. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We'll see you all again next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See store or belltire.com for details. Restrictions apply.